I'd be lying if I didn't say, I was absolutely thinking about, is this the right place for me? Should I stay? Should I go? And I think I've absolutely made a shift in 2021 of like, I'm here and I'm staying. And that in and of itself has made me a happier employee. Welcome to Humans of SaaS. I'm your host, Ben Wynn. And on this show, I talk to entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders from the tech industry who each have a unique and compelling story to share. Stacey Schmitz is an enterprise account executive at Catalyst. She was one of the earliest members of the sales team, and she's been incredibly successful in her role, including last quarter when she hit 200% of her quota. She's also consistently shouted out on LinkedIn and internal Slack channels. She has an amazing approach to sales, and she's hilarious and wonderful. So I'm very excited to have her on today's show. But how are you, by the way? Because I, I haven't seen you since the whole thing at the Variety Coffee Roasters debacle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I'm very thankful that everyone was okay. I got in touch with the their email and I got in touch with the barista and she's okay. So I'm definitely a little jittery in, in New York. That makes life a little <laughs> tough when you're spooked about someone coming up behind you on the street. I've definitely jumped like three times and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not afraid of you, but right now I am. <laughs> but all things are good. We'll be good. <laughs> okay, good. Um, and for, for context, one of our favorite coffee shops right near the office was was robbed um, while Stacy was in it. So we were all very concerned, but yes, glad to know everyone is is okay. And I was just there this morning and the team seems to be in good spirits. So yeah, yeah, that's delicious. what they said. Everybody, they when I emailed them, they said that all of the people in the coffee shop were super nice and like giving extra tips and like helping clean up. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was as good of an outcome as you can hope. <laughs> okay, so part of what we are here to talk about is sales because obviously in your role at Catalyst, you've been immensely successful in the sales team and you've consistently oversold your quota, um, consistently putting more pressure on yourself to <laughs> continue doing that, I'm, I'm sure. Yep. Is it something you really enjoy? Like, do you, I, I mean, I've seen you on, on up days and, and days where I know you've, you're going through it. Like, is this something you really enjoy? Because you I have do. to be honest. I don't yeah, know if I, you're lying. I, yeah, you, I'm, I'm really a bad liar, which makes me maybe not the best cut out for sales naturally. Or the best salesperson. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it depends on, depends on who you're working with. Um, but no, I really do enjoy sales. I think for me, it's such a, a great mix of getting to work with different people all day long, which I love. I love the, the autonomy of it. Like there's something exciting about my type A Virgo personality being able to like own my own pipeline and do my own thing. And the thing that I think I, I haven't been in sales all that long, a little under three years, probably like learning how to deal with those, like the, the down days specifically, I naturally someone who like picks at things and finds maybe not the most positive thing that's going on. Um, so trying to like, over time realize that like, hey, one one deal, losing a deal or having a bad call, like isn't the end of the world. And the longer I'm in sales, the more I realize that. And I think I've even noticed a shift in myself as our team at Catalyst has grown and realized as, as one of the initial members of the team, I, I have to think about how am I responding in these situations and how I respond is going to really set the stage for our entire sales team as we're doubling and tripling mm -hmm. in size. And so I think that has been a really good Kind of lesson for me to be more positive and really think about okay how is this being perceived across our sales team and, and across our entire company as well and especially i'm sure like since you've been promoted and you now have you know sdrs that you're i'm sure mentoring and and helping to to set up for success like is that something that has also changed your outlook and and sort of how you approach the good and the bad days 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the the concept of sales, it, it is a very independent role, right? You're managing your own pipeline, but the longer you're at Catalyst and as you see those folks around you getting promoted, it, it kind of makes you realize like, oh, okay, if that's how a newer AE is responding in that situation and I'm coaching them to respond differently and then it's kind of like, look in the mm. mirror, do I act that same way if I thought that right. wasn't the right way to act? Like I shouldn't do it either. Lead lead by uh, example and also yeah. learn through what they're learning at the same time. It's kind of a, a double benefit. For sure. It's a lot, but it's a lot easier to just tell other people how things should be done and then not to do it oh, yourself. So, you know. I'm the oldest of four girls. So yeah, I am, I am phenomenal <laughs> just telling people what to do. <laughs> Perfect. What about when it comes to, so you were the second person on the sales team at Catalyst? Second, third. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Cause now we're, cause you, then you were employee, what, 20? I was employee 30. 30? Yes. You were there before me. I don't know. In Lattice, I feel like we've, it's different. Cause I think you're earlier. Oh. I I've think technically looked. you're. Well, uh, Kevin, I've looked because I was interested. Told me I, was I was like, 30. "What's my official number?" I think he's lying to you because I think I've also been told <laughs> that I was thirty and I'm actually like twenty-eight or something. I feel like you're like twenty or twenty-five. Wow, that'd be great. Okay, I'll go look and make myself feel even go more. Go look startup. and let us see what your official number is. You're gonna need, you're gonna need to know for the future. But I mean, clearly you're doing something right. I mean, at the risk of horribly embarrassing you, I mean you've been absolutely killing it. You hit like two hundred percent of your quota last quarter, and then you like enjoyed Italy and stuff like that. And you, you know, are consistently getting shouted out on LinkedIn and in our Slack and just people have such a great sales experience with you. And so I think that speaks to, I mean, your approach to it. So, I mean, I'm sure there are always going to be bad days, but clearly something you're doing is working really well. Thanks. Yeah. It's you been have any idea what that is. Do I have any idea what that is? <laughs> um, it's a good question. What's the secret sauce? I think Oh, but first, if you if you work oh, yeah. at one of our competitors and you're listening right now, uh, turn this podcast listening. off. Yeah, just pause it or just skip ahead like two minutes and then. This okay, is Stacey, not go ahead. for you. <laughs> this is not for you. You won't like this. <laughs> no, I, I think I think for me it goes back to kind of what I just shared of like there is this perception of what a salesperson is and how you're supposed to interact with a seller, and because I don't have a, I didn't jump into sales right out of college, I do spend a lot of time thinking about what does this role actually be? And like, how can I make the perception of a seller different? And I can only do that for myself, right? But I think what one of the things that helps me be successful is be realistic about what's going on when someone joins a meeting with you. No one is all that excited to talk to a salesperson. I don't blame them. I'm not excited to, to see demos of other tools. It takes a lot of time. You have a lot of things on your plate. So think about how can I be someone who is relatable and that they actually going to enjoy having a conversation with? And so then taking that throughout the entire sales cycle, right? Going from, hey, let's let's figure out how I can make every conversation you have with me valuable in one way or another. I want to listen to what you're saying and actually respond realistically versus just kind of saying things that are the sales lines that we've got in our, mm -hmm. our pitch decks and all of that. And I think that has really made an impact. And that's when I'm getting really positive feedback from, from buyers. It's like, oh, you actually listened. You actually took the time to, to show me what that would look like in Catalyst, or you customized something in the demo, or you, you heard me say that I had to pitch something to my boss and you made me a deck to, to help me do that. So I think listening and, and helping and not being a sales robot is definitely good. What I think helps. <laughs> do you find that in the last few years, budgets have changed like for for better for worse with cs leaders i mean we've been seeing the growth of the cs industry and i think 
we've made a lot of progress, but like, what have you seen on the sort of front line when it comes to budget that, and buy-in that CS leaders have? It feels like it's still very all over the board. And I think that's part that we're selling into customer success teams that don't uh, historically have their own budget per se, but also I think selling into SaaS startups is is probably mm-hmm. more the the theme that I see there, right? When I was selling into publicly traded companies, retailers, they had a very like planned budgeting process. Selling into startups, like if you asked me what catalyst budget cycle was, I was like, do we have one or do I just tell Edward we need something? Yeah, I, I just spend money <laughs> until they tell me to stop. I'm like, yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the, the, the CS budget topic, I, I'm excited to see how that changes and evolves. And I'm sure as someone who's now selling into larger organizations, I'll see that shift. But I think it's less about customer success and more about the types of companies that we're working with. So, yeah, I, I'd have to get back to you on that one. Okay, interesting. Well, hopefully we, we see that continue to shift and we see more buy-in, more budget, more process. I mean, even differentiating. I know there's still a lot that we are trying to tackle around educate, educating people who are newer to CS, um, yeah. even on things like if you already have Salesforce, like, do you also need a customer success platform? Yes, here's why. And like walking yeah. through and then helping people get buy-in across their organization. Like, And then there's other teams that are hyper mature, like way 10 years ahead of every other team where they already have all these fleshed out, you know, really thorough CS playbooks and team structures and CS ops and, and you know, multiple roles and and segmented CSMs and technical CSMs and everything on their on their team. So I can only imagine sort of navigating that as you sort of deal with these conversations with different organizations. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's been super exciting. And one of the reasons I'm really thankful to be an early member of the sales team at Catalyst is is getting to actually maybe less around what does budgeting look like, but more around how are customer success teams structured? What are the different levels of maturity of these different teams? And trying to really map that together with, okay, how does Catalyst actually help those teams, mm-hmm. right? The thing that I see a lot of times with CS leaders, they, they don't buy a lot of tools. And so it's almost teaching them what buying software even means as you're trying to sell them Catalyst, right? I see a lot of CS right. leaders show up with, here's a list of features. And that's great, but that's kind of like going to your realtor. Like, here's a list of things that I want in the house, but you're not actually thinking about, do I actually need four bedrooms? And once I get four bedrooms, what will I do with them? Am I expected to have three kids to fill those bedrooms? Like, whoa, we would not be ready for that. <laughs> I feel like and there's I- some <laughs> subliminal stuff coming in here. Stacey, is your husband like listening to you? Know, <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. One Pomeranian is plenty for me. <laughs> No, I'm happy with my small one bedroom and the loud refrigerator. (laughs) Exactly. Your beer and sparkling water and one Pomeranian. That's all you need. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I think it's a great analogy, though. Yeah, I think of that a lot when I'm trying to like explain to people why coming to me with a spreadsheet. I literally spent my night last night, 50 lines in a spreadsheet, explain how you support these Mm -hmm. features. And Based on the conversations I've had with that company, they're in no way, shape or form ready to do a lot of, to use those features. They're going to buy a piece of software that can do a bunch of things, but they don't know what they're going to do with it. And I think that's where people really fall down, particularly as a a first time software buyer, right? And then you bought a tool, you don't know what to do with it. Your team doesn't know what to do with it. And then you feel frustration with 
the outcomes you're not seeing because you thought about buying based on features and not buying based on what's the specific thing where we, we want to get better at from a, a CS point of view. So I think that to me is the bigger thing that I kind of noodle on versus the the budget. I love that. And, and even continuing that analogy, um, you might think that you want four bathrooms and maybe you do need four bathrooms, but not all bathrooms are created equal. There's different designs. There's different ways that, you know, some might have a bidet and some might not. I don't know. It's a yep. weird example, but, but, you know, <laughs> like when it comes to versus like a stand up shower, right? Shower. Like, yeah. I don't know why I went to a bidet, like... but <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know what it was? Because well, I ran out I of was... toilet paper yesterday and I was like, it'd be great if we had a bidet. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Things I didn't think I'd be saying on the podcast. Um, Yes, no, but design is an important aspect as well, because as we've seen, design has a direct impact on utilization is a software that people enjoy using, um, that they enjoy spending their time in, because that has a direct correlation to the amount they actually use it, which then has a direct correlation to what the value that they get out of it. So, yeah. you know, when you're shopping for a house, it's not just a house with four bathrooms, a garage and X, Y, Z. It's OK. Of all the ones that have these things that I yep. that I know I need, if you need those things. What is the one that is best suited to my, you know, to what I'm looking for from a yeah, design what is perspective it? and flow perspective? All that. Yep. What does it look like? What is the aesthetics? Like, I think this analogy, I've never thought of it like this specifically. I came up with this on the fly, but I think it makes a lot of sense, right? Like you don't, if you're thinking about, hey, buying buying software with a list of, of features, there's never a feature list on there. Like, is this like usable? Yeah. Is someone going to log in and think, wow, this looks great? And that's one of the things that makes me most excited to, to be a Catalyst and to sell Catalyst is that you log into this tool and you're like, I get it. And it's it's very aesthetic, right? I yeah. was prepping for a, a big demo the other week and I wanted to show my husband something. I make him look at a lot of things that I'm doing in Catalyst. And I was like, hey, can you look at this? Like, does this flow make sense? And I just let him mm -hmm. like click around in my demo. And he was like, yeah, he's like, wow, this this tool looks great. Dario did a good job. Dario leads our design <laughs> team. And I'm like, yeah, to have my husband who has no idea, but he, he's not in this space to get it yeah. and also think, oh, this is a tool that I, I can I could use. I, could, I, could, I would like this. Like mm. that says a lot. And I think going back to like, hey, features and, and functionality and the, the hard days of Catalyst, it's on the days that maybe we don't have all the features and functionality, like we have a tool that is great to use and it can do the things that you need it to do and it looks really pretty which i think goes along it's important way. well and and it's purpose built i mean the thing that i like yeah we don't have a hubspot integration but if you have this suite of tools like we're the best tool for this suite of tools and and i like being purpose not not trying to be everything to everyone i'm a big yep. fan of specialization and carving out a niche and like doing one thing extremely well versus you know a bunch of things maybe less well. And so, yeah, I think that that's what I love as well. And again, I just think that design is so, so important. And I've literally made software purchasing decisions based on the design of the software as a major component, because it's more than just a pretty button. It's like something I'll actually use or my team will use or our customers will use. Yeah. Uh, like our community. That was a big decision when we did, you know, launched our customer community, making sure it was something that was beautiful and it didn't maybe have all the same bells and whistles as other ones, but yep. it accomplished the use cases we needed. And it had that, that design that, that fit right in looked like a modern SaaS platform. So. Yeah. And I think even hearing you talk about like how you assess different community platforms, I think that's something that I 
try to remember and, and, and take advantage of, of like, if you're a seller selling to other SaaS companies, you are probably surrounded by people at your own company that are also evaluating software mm -hmm. solutions, right? So if you're trying to kind of get into the mind of a, a buyer and think about how can I make this a better experience? How can I be a more successful seller? How can I be a more successful CSM who's maybe having to kind of repitch the product? Ask the people around you, hey, Ben, what was it like? How did you run that process? What went well? What didn't go well? Like, those mm -hmm. are things that I should do more. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, but is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalyst today. To learn more, visit catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out catalyst.io to learn more. What I love most about Stacy's approach to sales is that it truly is consultative. Consultative? I'm not sure. Either way, you know what I mean. She comes from a consulting background and, and I see this carry through in, in her demos when I am either sitting next to her or I'm watching a recording. She genuinely wants to sell Catalyst to people who she thinks, based on all her knowledge of the product in the industry, that Catalyst is the best solution for both in terms of functionality and price. And if it's not, then she's going to be extremely honest about that and she's gonna try to save you time and she's gonna, gonna try to save herself time. She has no interest in deceiving anyone or getting anyone on our product that's gonna end up churning in the long run. And I think people genuinely pick up on that from her and that's why she's been so, one of the reasons why she's been so successful in her sales. I mean, I always wish that I'd started my career in sales. I started right in CS, but uh, now I wish I'd started in sales because so many of the most important things I learned as a CSM that let me be successful as a CSM were from our sales team. Like yep. how to ask very insightful questions and how to frame those questions and even just how to approach some of these meetings, especially like I had a number, I was you know responsible for upsell and expansion, yet I had no sales training and no sales experience. So I was figuring it out myself and then also leaning on our sales team to give me advice and join those calls. And I got so much from that. So um, yeah, I wish I'd started in sales, but. Absolutely. I think that's an important, like, I think we do a, a good job of that at, at Catalyst is connecting the sales and CS teams. And mm -hmm. Gloria, one of the CSMs and I were, were talking about this one-on-one -on -one earlier this week about just talking about how do we pitch Catalyst, how should CSMs repitch Catalyst when a new stakeholder joins. And right. it was really an interesting conversation for me. I spend every single day talking to CS leaders and, and CSMs, but I, I hadn't thought much about the things that I've learned from becoming a seller. I don't have any formal sales training. I've only worked at, at startups. We never had that. And so there's a lot of things that I've learned to do that aren't natural, right? I didn't do them in consulting. I didn't keep spreadsheets of people and facts about them. And I wasn't trying to drive things to the finish line. And I think that's something that when, when Gloria and I were talking, she's like, these would be really good things for CSMs to learn how to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because no matter what you're a CSM for, there is going to be some component of selling, right? Getting that renewal across the line, selling people to use the tool, reselling a use case, selling a new feature, upselling, cross-selling. 
And those are Mm -hmm. things that I think there's a lot of ways that companies could probably get better about having your sales team help coach your CS team of the things that aren't natural to you as a seller that would be really helpful for a CSM to, to take advantage of. And then when you think back to what's the point of CS, right? Keeping your customers, expanding your customers. Well, let's enable that team as best as we can and not say, figure it out on your own or go do some sales training randomly, right? Like that's not gonna help you really learn those, those behaviors. No, learning it from someone who knows the product, knows your team and who you trust and you have rapport with all that kind of stuff just goes that much farther. For sure. Yeah, it makes it a lot less scary. <laughs> Definitely. Do you have any traditions for, uh, you know, sell it when you when you close a big contract or anything like that? That's a good question. That that was on the list of questions you you shared. Like, how do you deal with rejection and how do you sell it? Stacey, this and is I... supposed to sound like an organic conversation. You can't oh. say that I sent you a full list of questions. You're ruining. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I know. It's I okay. needed those questions. <laughs> Otherwise, I know. you and I Some would have just spent are... this whole hour gossiping. <laughs> That's perfectly okay with me. But the I I always send some questions in advance, and I always go off script. But like. People need them to feel comfortable. But then I've had some experiences where people come with like notes or like full paragraphs written as answers to the questions I've sent. And it just sounds so horrible. And I just yeah. want to turn off the recording right away. So which yeah. you were clearly not doing. So it's fine. But, you know, awesome. Yeah, no, I did not write down any answers, <laughs> but I, I did think about it. Right. Because to me, I was curious. Yeah, like, Why do you want to put me on this podcast? Like, What do you want to talk to me about? And to your question of any like celebrations or traditions, I seeing those questions side by side, like how do you handle rejection and, and how do you celebrate? I am not great at celebrating myself personally. Like I am absolutely, I, I close a deal and I'm literally- You're like, great, I, I did my job. And then when you're at like next thing, and then when it's rejection, thing, it's, it's, oh, I didn't do my job. I feel terrible. I get so, yeah, like so beat down. And so again, back to this, like trying to figure out how to be a little bit not so hard on myself, be a little bit more positive, a little less negative. I haven't actually put that into action. I haven't figured out a way to celebrate <laughs> wins. But I think, what? I think, <laughs> I think you need I mean, a tradition. I said sometimes I'm like, yay, and I get back to work. <laughs> I, <laughs> sometimes yeah, you're I like, should, yay, that, that's your tradition. <laughs> no, you, you need like a, you need like a beverage. You need like a certain bottle of champagne or a certain thing that you like only eat or you own a certain restaurant, maybe something where it's like a, okay. Okay. a repeatable like reward that you can like Pavlovian like build a, re- a Pavlovian response to so that it's like okay when I do this like this is this and I, it's the only yeah. time I'm allowed to have you know this treat <laughs> whatever this I, is I think the way that like the way that I, I think about that is like a one of the, the the salespeople that I worked with in my last job who we became friends with I think he he taught me a, a great way to think about sales is that don't count on your commission check. Don't think about that as the thing driving you forward. And so like that ties to celebrating deals and wins, right? Like if if you're thinking about, hey, every time I win, I'm going to do this thing and, and celebrate that in my mind, like slows you down a bit, like <laughs> which now you can see how I think Why? about life. Because I think, especially like given the type of, and, and, and this is very different in like large enterprise sales, right? We're not selling million dollar contracts at, at Catalyst. Yeah. So in that sense, if you're closing two deals a year, absolutely go go have the time of your life. At Catalyst, it's a much more volume based sale, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm closing hopefully a, a good number of customers every month, if not week. 
for me thinking about, okay, what does celebrating actually mean? I think of it a little bit more from a, a quarterly basis versus every deal that I close. But yes, all things considered, I should get better about like being equally as happy about the wins as I am like stressed yeah, on that days. <laughs> well, and it's not just about like, oh, like feel good about yourself. It's not like that sort of thing. It's like, there is a lot of value that that gets missed when we gloss over because I'm the same way. Like I, I always focus like my mind is always on what we can do better. Like we do yep. an event. Everyone says it's great, but I'm like, OK, but here's the 30 things that I want to do better next time. Like, yep. don't give me compliments. Give me criticism. Um, so maybe we're just really broken people. But um, <laughs> I think <laughs> there's equal value in and it's something we've been consciously trying to do. Like there's equal value in reflect in having postmortems and reflecting on positive things and celebrating, taking the time to still slow down and talk about things and not take the wins for granted yep. as there is, you know, focusing on the the negatives and what can be improved. And I think like one thing that, I mean, I probably also should do a better job of celebrating wins, but also being not in sales, it's like a little more nebulous. I don't hit like the end of a quarter and be like, I made my target, although trying to do that for next year. But something I Love started doing was every, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, something I've started doing is every year at least. So it's coming up. Well, it's quick. Uh, before New Year's, I do um, like a, an annual reflection and I have some like exercises that I go through that take me like three, four hours to do. And I'm usually a couple drinks in when I do them. But like that is has just been so helpful because it's like reflecting on the year and it's like recognizing all the good things that came out of the year and putting them on paper. And that's something that otherwise I would just let fly by. And now I have now I've been doing it for four or five years. So I have in my Google Drive this like past four or five years of like the biggest wins of the year, the biggest challenges or losses of the year, like the good times, the bad times. And it's not like 10 page essays. It's like bullet points. But even doing that is super cathartic. And it really helps me get my head around like book ending the year. And then also just it's something I want to get doing more than once a year. But that was how I at least started that. And I've just found it really valuable. I love that. I think. Did you share that on our blog? I don't think. Temp, oh, I did. I, I think, think I, cha- I I mean, I, I think I shared one of the templates like when I first started. Yeah, I think it was one of the not, first ones. Not your Google Drive. <laughs> hey, everyone, look at my reflections. <laughs> 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 I'm really looking for free therapy here. So could anyone yeah, exactly. go through my last year and, and help me out? But no, I think that's great. I think that's a great way to to think about it. And I think, I mean, for you specifically, you when when I think back to like selling Catalyst in the beginning to selling Catalyst now, you were not here when I joined Catalyst and I spent a, like most of my initial calls were like, what's Catalyst? Who are you? And so, yeah, you've got lots of great stuff to put on that, to put on your reflection because I think you've done such a great job of building our, our brand and our community and like truly making Catalyst a place that we all want to work and that people want to be a a, a part of, so... Awesome. Celebrations Thanks. for you. <laughs> yeah, let's gloss over. No compliments. We're going to yeah, criticism. What can I do better, Stacey? <laughs> well, uh, then, <laughs> let me get my get... list. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You're only half joking. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of making Catalyst somewhere where people enjoy working, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk lately about the Great Resignation. There's a lot of shifting going around. Um, I know you're fielding people trying to poach you left and right. So first, you know, what's keeping you a catalyst? And related to that, how can leaders make sure they're retaining top sales talent? I think what's keeping me at catalyst is knowing Besides that my I, charm. 
Yeah, it's definitely just you. <laughs> Tell Edward that. He'll probably pay you more just to keep it. <laughs> this podcast is going to work great for you. <laughs> Perfect. That's what it's for. <laughs> yeah, I think what keeps me a catalyst is I really feel like I have a voice here. I feel mm. like I have, and part of this is being an early employee, right? I've, I'm an early mm. employee that has had a really successful time on the sales team, right? As a seller, like closing a lot of business definitely gives you a little bit more of a well-respected voice. But I really appreciate that that Kevin and, and Edward both are always willing to let me do the other things that I, I want to do. I'm someone who likes to I like to work and I like to to not just do my job. I would get bored if I was just being a seller all day long. So like I like to, to coach the the new people on the team. I like to make sure mm -hmm. I'm really still connected at, at Catalyst at at Extensory, we called them plus ones, doing these things that weren't really part of your job. And I think growing up in this world of plus ones is 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 me. It's who I am. And I like to do that at Catalyst. And Catalyst is a place that supports that. It's not a place that says, this is your job, stay in your box, only do those things. Mm -hmm. And I know you know that as well, right? You you run an incredibly successful podcast. I'm sure there's no world in which that was on the list of things that we asked you to do when you joined Catalyst and everyone's supportive of it and we love it. And I think mm -hmm. that's probably what keeps a lot of us at Catalyst. I think also transparently speaking, like Catalyst pays its employees. And I think that's a, a big thing. If they weren't paying me what I think I'm worth, I would be yeah. responding to those responses differently. Right. Like, cause mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I, whether you care about money or you use your money or you celebrate with your money. Everybody not, cares about money. Everybody, everybody cares. cares. About money. Exactly. Beyond it's a certain extent. Like it's, yeah, exactly. And I think it's something that for, for better or for worse, I can't speak to the world, but probably, but in the U S you really, you really tie that to your value in some way. Right. And if you know that I'm getting paid X and company A over here is going to pay me X multiplied. Well, it makes me start to think, are you really valuing me or not? And I think Catalyst does a good job of the the culture side of it, the the benefits, the compensation, and then also having a, a growth trajectory here as well. So I've been promoted yeah. twice in less than two years for the results that I'm bringing to the company, right? It wasn't a squishy like, oh, you're doing good. Go, go ahead. We'll promote you. I think those things all wrap together. It's a very long winded, but those things wrap nice. together. Keep me here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. And, and I think that the, yeah, exactly. Like you said, like the, so compensation matters a lot. And then what I've found, it might be a similar experience to you, like you're saying around the, the culture, the flexibility, all those other things add the, the better that catalyst keeps doing with that. And I think we're doing a great job of it. The, the more we keep leaning into that, the more sort of buffer, the more I would have to be offered from another company essentially to to Absolutely. be interested in it. Like, it's not like, you know, an extra 10, 20 K is going to make that difference because of everything here, it, you know, but if it was like double, okay, then we have to talk, then maybe it becomes <laughs> yeah. worth it. But I think, you know, the, all the other things you listed and all the other things we haven't talked about that are so great about Catalyst adds a major buffer where it's like, it would need to be a significant shift in for, you know, us to consider looking at other roles. Yep. And I think the this idea of like the grass is always greener, whether you're jumping for money or you're jumping because you're upset about something, it's 
it's thinking about every company you're going to work for has things that you're not going to like about it. I could yeah. absolutely list a bunch of things and everyone like about you, Catalyst. Everyone, of, everyone you're friends with, the person you marry. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's real, that one I have written down. <laughs> but I think then it's, it kind of goes back to this like this this whole thing of like positives versus negatives. It's like you can let the negatives suck you down to until you get to the point of like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to respond to these mm -hmm. people on LinkedIn and, and jump ship. Or I'm going to think about, okay, are these negatives really all that bad? And there's different buckets of those negatives, right? Are there some buckets of like, yep, this is just the stage of a company that, that we're in, we're working on it. Or is it just, if I want to work here, I just have to accept some of these things and accept yeah. it and make peace and move on. And I think I've definitely gone through moments of should I stay? Should I go? Particularly in, in 2020, I joined right before mm -hmm. the pandemic hit. Kevin, who you, you interviewed on the podcast, got incredibly sick with COVID. And it was a really rough time to be a new seller at a company. I didn't have a lot of sales experience. So I'd be lying if I didn't say I was absolutely thinking about, is this the right place for me? Should I stay? Should I go? And I think I've absolutely made a shift in 2021 of like, I'm here and I'm staying. And that mm -hmm. in and of itself has made me a happier employee not even entertaining other offers right now, not even entering conversations yeah. with other people, just having my response. Like, thank you so much for reaching out. I appreciate that you have interest mm -hmm. in, in, in talking to me, but I'm not looking to leave. And like, yeah. I think that applies to probably a lot of ways in life, right? Like when you settle down with one partner, you're like, I'm done thinking about what else could be out yeah. there. The Except second you're days, back on Tinder, so. you're, you know, just to, yeah. <laughs> I and actually, it's... we've been together before dating apps were a thing. So that makes me... Us too, but it's yeah. It makes you grateful for it not does. having it, it does. that. The before that culture <laughs> shift took place, and I and it's funny because I I think it does spill over into work. This idea of like the grass is always greener. There's yep. always going to be other options. There are always other potential partners. There's always other potential spouses. There's always going to be other potential companies, and you know there's going to be the rose colored goggles, and they're going to roll out the red carpet for you. But there's always going to be positives and negatives, and so it's about, you know, figuring out what is most important to you, because then the negatives don't matter as much. Like, and as long as for us, like Catalyst checks those boxes of those core things, like having those that flexibility to take on other projects that aren't necessarily in your job description to give feedback directly to like the CEO or the COO and have them be yeah. super receptive and like appreciative of it and all that kind of stuff, like those sorts of things that are core make all the the little things where it's oh i wish this was different or i wish we had more of this like it makes that stuff inconsequential it's something that's you know we just build on and improve over time yep and it gives you if you if you're working at a place where you have that the ability to go work on projects and you have leadership that actually cares and listens it's like i had a moment where i spoke with edward and was like i i don't know about this and <laughs> he was like you have autonomy to make it better and that was like truly a, a meaningful moment for me a catalyst when i realized instead of just thinking about what isn't working well here i have a direct line to leadership right we all do we're at a startup mm -hmm. and so if he's telling me go fix it oh duh i should just go fix it instead of expecting someone else to fix it fix it for me i think Take ownership, right? It's a catalyst value. That's I why like. I don't say things out loud. I, that, that's the lesson I've learned. Because when you say something out loud, it's then on you to do it. And I'm yes. like, I don't want more. So if Choose I, the I hills know. to die on and the projects exactly. to pick up. But if it's, if it's a yeah. hill you feel like you're dying on, go fix it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So having that internal dialogue before you either complain about something or give a piece of feedback or make a certain request, 
just know that you're going to be the one who no one else is going to pick up that for you. It's not like a exactly. large company where you can outsource it to a, a team. It's yep. it's like, you know, you go do it. Totally. Amazing. What is one piece of advice that you have for more junior sellers? I mean, I know you, you're not like you've been in sales for 30 years and you're not like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> relax, now you, you make know. me seem like I'm like you know elderly. <laughs> you started no, I said you're not. But you said before. I know I said that we were dating. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought no, you were no, the, said... the dating app one. I was like, I'm not that old. <laughs> no, we're <laughs> done with that analogy. Old. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what's advice that I have for a junior seller? Um, I would say dedicate the time to soak up as much as you can. Put like talk to the other sellers at the the company, whatever you're selling, whoever you're selling to do informational interviews, ask to practice your pitch, ask to practice your demo without trying to sell to them. Don't show up with a, a sneaky hope that they're going to want to buy. No, that's what people don't like about sellers. Just show up. <laughs> exactly. And like, can I pitch this to you? I really would like your, your feedback. And so soak up as much as you can listen to the call recordings and also, like, as you're doing that, think about how you can take that and provide value back to the team. So if I think about the, the both places that I've been in sales, right, no one looked at me and said, thank God she's here. She has the most experience in sales on the team. So no one was coming to me to say, how should we, what should, how should we sell, right? That's what Gabe on our team is for. He's been in sales the longest. Mm -hmm. We all go to Gabe, like, you've been here before. How should we do it? So for me, it was how can I add value to the team as a, as a junior seller or now as someone who's been around even a while, as you're soaking up that information, as you're doing informational interviews, as you're meeting with the team, aggregate that information, create some collateral, report back to the team. Don't keep all those valuable insights and information that you learn to yourself. And I think not only will that make you a more knowledgeable seller from the very beginning, it'll set you up to be a, a respected and value add member of the team. So I think if, if we hired an, a new AE and they took the time to really learn and then share what they learned and do something with it, I would instantly think incredibly highly of that person and be really excited to, to work with them. I love that. And I think that's advice that people should heed, not just for being in sales, but just for, yeah. you know, life, like people ask me about personal branding all the time. And, and especially if you're junior in your career, and you're like, Oh, but I don't know anything yet. Yeah, like I wrote an entire ebook, ebook on customer success in 2016. In my first no, it was my second CS role. And but it was my first time building out a CS function. And literally 99.9 .9 of it was just from me interviewing and speaking with other CS leaders and reading stuff and sort of aggregating and putting my own spin on it but like I wasn't just coming up with all of it and that was a great way for me to get started down that path was just can I synthesize all this in data from you know 50 to 100 yep. people I've spoken with and books I've read and then make it in a way that's easy to read and parse and it was really successful so I mean lean on other people's or what I do in this podcast like I interview people who are experts and then that makes me look smart, even though I'm just asking yep. them questions <laughs> and then get helping with it, support their analogies and make jokes. So, you know, I think, yeah, le leaning on others, you know, leveraging others knowledge, people are usually happy to share and then get yep. benefit using that to help other people and help your teammates and help the community is a great way. So I, I love that idea. Well, um, if you've enjoyed me and Stacey's witty banter today, we do a community demo together uh, every month of Catalyst, <laughs> um, which is always a lot of fun. Our next one is November 17th. So make sure to join us. 
And yeah, Stacy, thank you so much for coming on. It's so much fun to chat with you. I love that I get to work with you. And we'll thank you, I'll see ben. you soon. Yeah, this was fun. Better than I expected. <laughs> oh, good. That's the best review I've gotten yet. Better than I expected. <laughs> Thank you very when much I, for that. When I told my husband I was going to be on the podcast, he was like, oh, you'll hate that. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> I'm so nervous. <laughs> so this this is actually great because now I'm not at all nervous for some of the other calls that I have today. So thanks for Perfect. Got it out of the way. And now the, you can go the on the podcast. In the morning. Perfect. Oh, Got it God. out of the way for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> awesome. Right, well, thank you so much, Ben. I love that we got to talk about the great resignation and, and employee retention because Stacy is someone who I know is being targeted all the time and I know is is top talent and critical to the success of Catalyst. And so, you know, hearing her put into words why it is that she continues to work here, it's very similar for me as well. I mean, compensation and culture. Obviously, culture is different. Each person looks for different things in culture, but continuing with our analogy of relationships, you know, it's not like a one-time decision you make, I'm going to be with this person or I'm going to be with this company. It's a decision that you wake up and you make every day. I'm going to keep being with this person. I'm going to continue with this company. That's, I think, one of the biggest shifts that, that companies have to think about is your employees don't just sign and then stay for forever. They sign and then you have to build a culture where every day it's not just about enticing them in the first place. It's about making it so that they choose every day. They're happy and excited to choose to work at your company continuously. And that's a very hard thing to do, but that's the goal that we should all be striving for. And there will always be difficult days and, and easy days and it, life isn't and work isn't always parties and wins and all this kind of stuff. But building a culture that people enjoy being a part of where they're on this ride together and they continually choose to be there. That's when the magic happens. And that's when people stay. Catalyst has had a 1% turn rate, employee turn rate in the last year, which is amazing, especially given COVID and everything that's been going on. So hopefully that's something we can keep going and keep building on. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Make sure to subscribe. And if you want to reach out to us, our email is community at getcatalyst.io.